Welcome to podcast number 157 of Quality Christian Living. I am your host, David Friend. As we continue our study and our teaching in the area of financial prosperity, I've got a lesson today. I think it'll be a blessing to you. Matter of fact, this could be one of the most important lessons in dealing with financial prosperity. So I've entitled this podcast, How to Make Decisions to Prosper Financially. So that's going to be a tough challenge, but obviously God's Word will help us to learn how God wants us to deal with the area of making good financial decisions. But before we get into that, let me just pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to come in and take control. Heavenly Father, I give you praise and thank you for who you are. I lift up your name and I give you all glory and praise. I enter into your courts with thanksgiving. I thank you, Lord. And I pray that you would bless now this podcast. I ask the Holy Spirit to come in and take charge, to take control, and to help bring this teaching to those who are listening in today. I thank you, Lord, for this area. I thank you for the series that we're involved with right now. And I know that you have a plan to bless it, to prosper it, and to help us to make good decisions. Thank you for it now. And I ask the Holy Spirit to open up the hearts and the ears of those who are listening in. I pray that as we read the scriptures, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would then reveal to us how that's supposed to deal with us in our own lives. I thank you in advance for what's going to take place because I believe at the end of this teaching today, at the end of this particular podcast, many people will have a different view and a different perspective of how to make good financial decisions and all that they do. Thank you and give you praise for it now for ask these things in Jesus name I pray. Amen. The decisions we have made about money have determined where we are financially today. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about the number of decisions that you've made and have they been good ones and have they been bad ones and and you're normal just like I am in the sense that I've made good decisions and bad ones, but I'd like to learn from my bad decisions and gain and grow from my good decisions. Allow me to just make a few observations. If we are a saver, we should always have, and will always have, some savings to deal with issues that take place for emergencies in our life. If we spend everything that we make, we will always run out of money before we run out of the end of the month. Those who buy a home and pay it off will probably be able to retire from their work. They'll have a probably the largest asset that they'll ever have, and that is the ownership of that home. Many were able to sell it and retire someplace, or able to live there without a house payment, and it'll make it very affordable for their retirement. If we give to our church financially, God will help us in our finances. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, it says, God loves a cheerful giver. So God wants us to give, and he also wants us to give willingly and cheerfully, and do it with a happy spirit. If we help others, God will help us. In Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 10, it says this, Give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. So evidently, saving is important for good financial decisions. Giving is also important in good financial decisions. And so, of course, is our spending habits, whatever we do and whatever decisions we make for spending. So giving brings blessings and savings brings blessings. And spending everything that we have brings many times problems. If we have made bad decisions in 
our past, we should learn from them. When I meet with individuals to help them set up a financial plan of savings or spending or giving or purchasing a home, I like to tell them to take a blank piece of paper. Draw a line down the middle. On the left side, list all your good financial decisions. On the right side, list all of your bad decisions. Now, here's my advice. It's powerful, even though I say so it myself. It is powerful advice. Don't do the bad decisions again. Now, you might think, well, that's kind of silly. Well, it is kind of silly, but on the other hand, it's also very wise. Look at our bad decisions and don't repeat them. You might be saying that that sounds too easy, but it isn't that easy because we have a tendency to repeat the bad decisions that we've made, and that's something we've got to change. When it comes to making financial decisions, it's just very simple. Don't repeat the bad ones and learn from the good ones. Now, we should always gain from our poor decisions. You say, well, I thought we'd only gain from our bad, our good decisions, but no, we gain many times from our poor decisions. The mistakes that we've made, we can learn from them. We can build from them and not make that mistake again. When I was a home builder, I used to go out and buy a piece of property and I would then put a home on it. I would build a beautiful home and it was a very speculative business. It was a high risk business, but it's something I enjoyed doing and something that I had done for many years. As a banker, I financed custom home builders for many, many years and I learned a lot about the business just by being the banker financing their projects. But I would go out and buy a piece of property and pray over it and ask for direction. I had certain guidelines and certain steps that I would take in making good decisions. And every time that I repeated the good decisions, I did well. But when I would repeat a bad decision or make a mistake that I had made a mistake for on a prior home, I usually didn't do very well on that particular house. So that applies to your own personal finances. It applies to business. It applies, quite frankly, to pretty much every area of our life, our marriage, parenting, and pretty much everything that we will ever do. Now, when we get to the topic of decisions, let me just make a statement here to help you realize that this is a really a powerful message that I believe will help you. Decisions are things that just are in our face every day. When we wake up in the morning, we make the decision what time we're going to get up. We make a decision as to how quickly we're going to get ready, how fast it is before we leave. We make a decision to whether we're going to have breakfast or not, or have coffee or not. We make a decision in which route we're going to take when we drive to work, unless you work out of your home. But we make a lot of decisions every single day. When lunch approaches, we decide, are we going to eat lunch? Are we going to pass on lunch? Are we going to get fast food? Am I going to go home and fix something? Whatever it might be, decisions, decisions, decisions. They kind of rule our life. So we need to learn how to make good ones. In the area of finances, we make decisions on what we're going to spend. I know a lot of people get up in the morning and they go to work and on their way to work, they'll stop and buy a $5 coffee at an expensive place or a $6 coffee, buy a $6 donut. And before they ever get to work, they've already made several decisions that affects their finances. Matter of fact, the car that they're driving made a huge impact and affects their finances. You can have a beat up old car and get to work and it basically serves the same purpose of having a very expensive car to drive the work in. So decisions are crucial and we're going to learn a lot about that today. Now we should always gain, I said, from our poor decisions and then our future will be the result of great financial decisions. I think we need to take a moment and get into the Word of God and read some scriptures that will give us some good advice for decision making. 
I'm going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14 in the New Living Translation. And it goes like this. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. So what I'm telling you there is that remember before you make a decision to reflect upon the things that we've been taught in making good decisions. And if we do that, we're more likely to make the right one. Here's another scripture I like found in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number Five, it says here, Get wisdom, develop good judgment, don't forget my words, or turn away from them. Then it says, verse 6, Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Verse 7, I just can't stop here. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do, and whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Now, here's God's word. A lot of scriptures that we should remember and we should use. Now, some of these will speak to you. Some will be something specifically that you know will help you and remind you of what you need to do to stay on track. So we've been talking about get good teaching, get wisdom and gain it, and then live within that in order for us to make good financial decisions. Here's another scripture that I like when it comes to making good decisions. It's found in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 15. All of these are the New Living Translation. Verse 15 says this, Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. Well, I know all of you out there listening are intelligent people, and I know you're ready to learn or otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. So I believe that God wants us to look to his word, find instruction, get advice, get direction. And when we learn those things, when we're taught those things, then we've got to put them into practice in our life. So I hope that this teaching today will help you learn some new ideas and new guidelines and direction for making good financial decisions. Now I want to address something I think we need before we make decisions. It's called due diligence. Now due diligence is a very important thing for us to understand. What it is, is you check out your decisions and investigate the good and the bad things. If you're going to buy an automobile, then you should do due diligence to find out what's the consumer ratings. Is it a good automobile? What's its gas mileage? Is it comfortable to drive? You should sit in the car and feel it and make sure that it's comfortable for you. You should check with the company and see if they have a good warranty on the car. If it's a new one, then the company that you're buying the car from should give you a good warranty for usually a few years. But that's called due diligence, and that comes with any area of making financial decisions. If you're going to go out and buy a dress, you don't just look at it and say, well, that looks pretty good. I think I'll just buy it. I don't care what the cost is. I don't care whether it fits or not. It doesn't matter what size it is. You know, you do due diligence, ladies, when you pick up the dress and you look at the size and you hold it up to yourself. Maybe you just say, well, I think it'd be good on me. Are you looking at a catalog somewhere or online? And you do obviously do the due diligence of finding it. What's it made of? Many times you find out, does it need a lot? of care. So those are steps that we need to take and we need to do that when it comes to making good financial decisions. So I'll probably refer to due diligence in this podcast and upcoming ones. You know, every time I look up something in the scriptures, I find something glorious that God has to teach us. And I was trying to decide, Father, where is a scripture in here that talks about due diligence? There's something in here to help us understand what due diligence is all about. And I ran into the book of Proverbs chapter 13 and listen to these verses. They're found in the New Living Translation. That's Proverbs. Proverbs 13 verses 
14, 15, and 16. The instruction of the wise is like a life-giving fountain. That's due diligence. Those who accept it avoid the snares of death. That means we learn from our investigation. Number 15. A person with good sense is respected. A treacherous person is headed for destruction. So a person who thinks. And then 16. Wise people think before they act. Fools don't. And even brag about their foolishness. So the Word of God always has some instruction. And this one in particular deals with due diligence. You know, when I was talking about inspecting the car before you buy it, it kind of reminded me of a story of a lady that I know very well. She went and purchased an automobile. And we were talking about it at church. And she said, oh, I just love it. It's so beautiful. I said, well, have you driven it yet? No. Did you buy it? Yes. Well, why did you buy it? Well, it was so pretty. And I love the color. And it just looks so nice. And so I said, well, okay. Well, I just pray that you'll be blessed by it. So then a couple weeks later, I ran into her. And she walked up to me and she said, you know what you were saying about checking out the car? I should have done that. She said, the car that I bought, the seats are so uncomfortable. She said, I don't know how to put this graciously, but she said, the bucket seats were not big enough for me. She was a very large lady and she couldn't fit into that car and she had never driven it. She had not test driven it. She had not even sat in the seats to find out. So that's a mistake in lacking due diligence and one that I hope that none of us will ever do. By the way, she sold the car and bought something else that worked much nicer for her. Now, financial decisions must bring peace in our our life. We need to pray about the decision, even get a friend's thoughts or advice or a pastor or someone that you have trust in. But if you don't have peace, then you shouldn't buy it. My wife and I have always done that. We've gone out maybe looking for a chair or looking for a dining room set or something like that. And we'll look at it and we'll say, yeah, the price is okay and it looks nice. I think this is what we want. But then we'll sit and kind of say, well, what should we do? And she says, well, I'm not sure. And I'll say, well, I'm really not sure either. And we'll look at each other and say, well, you know what we've always said? If in doubt, don't do it. So financial decisions must bring peace or you should run from them. Our decisions must not be based on something called in impulse purchases. Now that's buying something without thinking about it, like the lady with the car. But most of us do, if we do an impulse purchase, it's hopefully something significantly less than buying a car. You know, you go into a business, especially retail food stores or these large discount places, and as you walk up to the checkout aisle, they line it with items which are called impulse purchase items. These are things that entice you, that when you're walking down the aisle to check out, you see dozens of things, magazines, candy, all kinds of little gadgets and things. And a lot of people just sit there and they start pulling these things off and throwing it in their cart. And that's why the grocery stores and the department stores do that. They want to get you to make impulse purchases so you don't have to think about it. You just look at it and say, yeah, I'll take that. Or if you've got children with you many times, what do they do? They go down the aisle and they see all that stuff and they're saying, mommy, mommy, can I have, can I have? Well, when I was a kid, I wasn't the kind of kid that would say, mommy, mommy, can I have mommy, mommy, mommy. I was kind of sneaky about it. As a little kid, when I was probably six, seven, eight, nine years old, I would go grocery shopping with my mom. I always liked it. She thought it was because I just wanted to be with her and have fun. Well, I went because I had a game plan. And that was I'd be walking down the aisle and we'd go through a certain area and I'd see something that I wanted. Well, then I would just grab it in my little hand and I would just slip it into the big cart. Well, you know, there were dozens and dozens of items in that cart. No one's going to notice this little tiny thing that I wanted.
wanted. And then at the checkout counter, my mother would look in there and say, where did this come from? And where did that come from? And she'd look at me and of course, I was the guilty one. And I will admit, many times mom would say, well, that's okay then. And I kind of knew that she would. So that's taking advantage of someone. And I certainly don't recommend that. But nonetheless, that's something that I did. And uh, I'm not really proud of it, but nonetheless, I did it. Now, I read a bank report recently that relates, related to the, their findings on the amount of money that their customers had in savings account. It has to do with the, the condition of their finances. The study stated that 50% of Americans do not have enough savings to cover a $300 emergency. Now, that means they've made a lot of bad decisions. Most financial plans suggest that we should have equivalent of six months living expenses in a savings account. Now, that means if you earn $5,000 a month, which is kind of the normal salary across America today, that's what the average person is earning at their place of employment. If you earn $5,000 a month, we need to set a goal of maintaining six times that or $30,000 in the savings. If you make $3,000 a month, then you should maintain $18,000. And you might say, well, that seems pretty difficult. Well, it's not easy, but it does require a financial plan and to make good financial decisions. If you seem that that's difficult, well, then I suggest that maybe you start by just saving $50 a week. Now, you might say, well, I can't save $50 a week. Well, then save $10 a week. Save $5 a week, but start a plan of saving. If you save something, you'll have something at the end of the year that you haven't spent. If we spend, or I mean save, $50 a week, in a year we'll have $2,600 in a savings account. So that's crucial. Now may I suggest something when you get into your financial decision making and your financial planning, I'm going to suggest that you should set up a budget to monitor your spending. Now that's what a budget is. I know I don't like to use budget. That word people seem to dislike. They want to run away from it. So let's call it a financial planning. So set up financial planning that you know how much you're spending every single month and establish that as to how you're going to spend it. You need to set a goal then. I believe this. I believe God will bless this and you'll be blessed by it. You need to set a goal to give 10% of your income to your church. Now, I'm a big believer in that. You've heard me talk a lot about it. I've always been a believer in that because I believe God intended for Christians to be able to support, support the church. And if we do, we'll be able to support the needs of the church. As a matter of fact, in one of my podcasts, I made some comments about that if all all the people in America would give 10% of their income to the church, then the church would never lack for anything. As a matter of fact, we wouldn't need the government. We wouldn't need social security. We wouldn't need health insurance plans because all the churches in America would be so loaded with money that they would be able to meet the needs of all of their members and all of their congregants. Maybe more people would go to church that way. But I can tell you in all seriousness that we should have a plan to give 10% of our income to the church. In addition to that, you should set a plan to give 10% of your income to yourself. Put it in a savings plan of some type or another. Then we need to learn to live on 80% of what we make. Now, I know most people live on 100% of what they make. They spend everything they've got. That's why people don't have even a $300 savings account for emergencies. But we don't have to live like that. We can make decisions that we can have a good budget. We can give to the Lord, give to ourselves, and learn to live on 80% of what we make. As our income goes up, we can continue to live by giving 10% to the church, 10% in savings, and 80% of what we make. Now, on a $50,000 a year income, you will save $5,000 a year. In 20 years, you'll have $100,000 plus any interest that you've earned. Now, you might think, well, that's pretty good, but I can't save $5,000. Well, maybe you can save $1,000. If you could save $1,000 a year, then in 
20 years, you would have $24,000 saved up. That may not seem like a lot of money, but it's a whole lot more than the $300 that most people don't have in savings. Well, let's move on because I think there's some other topics that I want to discuss. Now, here are a few steps to help you make great financial decisions. I've given you, I think I've got six or seven of them here. We'll see as time goes along if I have time for all of them. If not, I'll put them in another podcast. First, find two or three scriptures that will keep you on track in your financial decision making. Here's a couple that I like. Proverbs 22 and 1. Listen to this when it comes to how it relates to good financial planning. Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. So it's crucial that we have a good witness and are people of good character when it comes to making financial decisions. Here's another one that might be helpful to you. It's found in Proverbs chapter 22 verse 3. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. Now that has to do with a savings account. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Now the word of God gets pretty direct there, but it's important that we have a couple of scriptures that we can read, I believe, every day and to help us to make good financial decisions. We need to have wisdom. We need to be prudent. We need to realize that decisions we make should be honorable and right and that they should bless the work of the Lord. So if you'll get that, that's the first step in setting up a good financial plan. Number two, never lend money to anyone unless you can afford to lose it. Now this applies especially to family members and friends. And the reason I say that is there's a lot of people where good friendships and good relationships and good families have been broken up because of money problems. Now if you say, oh, that's not going to happen to me. Well, it happens a lot. I have probably spent so much time, I can't imagine how many hundreds of meetings I've had with families or businessmen where there's been loans made to each other and they're not paying each other and they're thinking of suing or going into court or they do go into to court and have all kinds of legal problems because someone loaned money to someone else and the money they loaned, they could not afford to lose it, so they went after them. When I say in reference to family and friends, it's crucial that you understand that the relationship with a friend or family member is far more important than money. And if you're in a position where they're asking you for money and you really can't afford to lose it because it would really hurt you financially, I would tell them no or give them a little bit of money to help them along if you can afford to do that, but don't put yourself in a position where that loan causes you to have financial grief. It will also going to do is cause you problems. Now, if it's a business, I realize in business, remember I was a banker for years. I was a real estate developer for years. I've been involved with an awful lot of commercial real estate transactions. And sometimes there's a lot of disputes. It has nothing to do with friends or family. It's just business that goes bad. And I understand there are times there's courts are required and all that stuff. But the Bible tells us to settle disputes quickly. So when it comes to financial issues, do your best to settle differences quickly. Because if you do, you'll get peace faster. And I believe that God will bless it and you'll stop putting all that effort and time and productivity into something that's very non-productive. Now, number three, invest in things that you understand or have experience with, such as buying a home or buying a car. When it comes to investing, we need to be so careful because there's so many people out there that are saying, do this or do that or invest in my company or do this. And we shouldn't do that. And if we don't have an understanding of it, then we should get good counsel, maybe an attorney, maybe an accountant or 
someone or a professional that we're comfortable with, but investing can be very destructive to your financial plan, although investing can be also very good. I'm not going to give you any advice on stocks or securities or cryptos or anything like that because that's not my role. But my role is just to let you know too, if you invest in things, then be sure you understand what you're doing and you have some kind of experience. That way you'll know at least what to expect in the outcome. Number four, if you are married, this is really important for married couples. Never pledge your home to guarantee a business loan. That's advice I used to give to people when I was a banker. I'd have a businessman, he'd come in, he'd want to borrow money and he'd say, well, I'll just put my home up as collateral if you loan me the money for the business. And I'd say, well, have you talked to your wife about it? And the man would say, well, what difference does that make to you? What business is that of yours? And I said, well, maybe it isn't any business of mine, but I think it's a dangerous thing when you take your home, which is one of the items that we provide for a wife or for a husband, and it's security for them. It's a safe place. And I would strongly recommend that never pledge your home to guarantee a loan for a business. If there's any way you can get around it, I would hope that you would avoid that. Number five, set up a plan to become debt-free. Wow, that's really wonderful. I think I just love being debt-free. It's something that I've had years of it, and then I had to borrow to get back in debt somehow to fix things up. But here I am again, and I'm debt-free again. It's a wonderful feeling. It's a wonderful experience. Matter of fact, it's so wonderful that I wrote a book about it. And I'll probably tell you about it at the end of the podcast, but I've got a book that's entitled Experience the Joy of Debt-Free Living. And that's the best way to express it. And it's a step-by-step approach to how to get out of debt and how to stay free from any type of debt. You see, becoming debt-free is only a few financial financial decisions away. Think about that. It's only just a few financial decisions away. Number six, pray about your decisions. Ask God to help you make the decisions. He wants to help you, so ask him to help you. You say, well, how can God help me? Well, you pray, you seek his word, you seek advice from godly people, and you listen to the still voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you and giving you guidance and direction. Now, let's say it's buying a car. You want the car, you checked it out, you've done your due diligence, you prayed, you got counsel, you thought, here we go, I want that car, but no one will give you a loan. You might need to stop and say, well, what do I do? Do I just forget it or do I push it through? Do I just stop? Or I think we should. We should stop at that moment and just ask ourselves, do I have peace with this decision? Now, I don't think you should ever force purchasing a car unless you've got to have something to get to work. That's different. But usually in a car situation, there are other options. We need to ask ourselves, are we truly at peace in making this decision? If we're not, if we're not at complete peace, then I believe we should run from it because my God tells me that he'll give us the peace of God that passes all understanding and it'll guard our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. If you're in the middle of purchasing a car and you don't have that peace, I would not buy the car. All right, verse number seven. Finally, let's just wrap this up. Go to Proverbs chapter three. Read the entire chapter. I believe it's the best advice in one place in the entire Word of God. There is just verse after verse telling us how to live our life, how to make good decisions. It allows us to have clarity and understanding of what steps that we should take next. I'm not going to read the entire chapter because I would comment on it and it would just go way beyond what this podcast can handle. But just look at some of these verses. It says here in verse 3 of Proverbs 3, New Living Translation, Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Of course, verse 5, one of the famous ones, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Verse 7, Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Verse 9, Honor the Lord with your wealth. It just goes on and on. And just one thing after another 
telling us and giving us instructions on how to live a good life, a prosperous life, make good financial decisions, and how we can prosper in all things and be in good health, even as our soul prospers, but that we can receive what this podcast is talking about, which is financial prosperity. I believe it'll happen in your life, and I believe it can and it will if you'll trust God's word. And just to make a quick review of what we've talked about, God has a plan for all of us to prosper. He wants to bless us. He wants to pour out his blessings upon his people. He wants us to make good decisions. And remember that the decisions that we have made about money have determined where we are today with our finances. We need to think about that. Remember that. We need to have a budget. We need to have control of our spending. We need to make good decisions. We need to make a list of the bad ones and the good ones and just don't repeat the bad ones. We need to get scriptures that speak to us and give us encouragement and give us peace in our mind and our heart about financial prosperity. We need to use what we call due diligence and check out what we're buying before we buy it in order to make really good decisions. We need to have financial decisions that bring peace to our life. And if we do, we're going to be blessed. We need to understand that people don't save money. People don't all give to the work of the Lord, but set up a financial plan where you can give 10% to the church, 10% to yourself, and live on the 80%. If you establish that now, as your income grows and increases, you'll see a blessing that will absolutely amaze you in your financial plan. So with that, I'm going to pray and ask God's blessing on you as we close up this podcast. Father, thank you again for the opportunity I had to bring this message at this time to those who've listened in today. I thank you, God, for your desire to bless us financially. And I know, Lord, that many here want that. They need that. They need to prosper in their finances. And so I pray a blessing of prosperity would come forth upon all of them. And if they will seek you, Father, in your direction and listen to this teaching, not because I taught it, but because the Holy Spirit directed it and because we used your word, Lord, to build a foundation for good financial planning. I thank you for that in advance, and I believe I'm going to hear great reports of people who are out of debt, people who are free from making bad decisions, and Lord, we'll give you all the praise now for it, all the glory, and that you'll be glorified in all this, and I thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, I hope that you enjoyed today's podcast, because I certainly enjoyed it. You can probably tell just by my voice that I get excited about it, because remember, I was a banker for over 15 years. I was a real estate developer for 20 years, and a pastor for 20 years. If I keep throwing those years at you, you're going to say, well, how old this is this guy? Well, I'll just let you guess. But I was born in a different century than this one. But anyways, may God bless you. I tell you, if you would like to get additional information on the teachings that I have, you can go to my webpage at davidcfriendauthor.com. And if you do that, you'll pull up my webpage and you'll find a link to my podcast. And if you'd like to click that link, you'll go right into the source for all my podcasts. There's 157 of them now stored in there after this one is completed. And there's teachings on prosperity, on faith, on generosity, on for Vietnam veterans and for veterans in general. There's instructions on how you get out of debt. And there's a lot of teaching on the Holy Spirit and on miracles and having faith for miracles. So I believe there'll be a plethora of topics that you can listen to and I hope that they'll bless you and that you'll receive something special from it. Previously in the podcast, I mentioned about a book that I had written. You'll find that book referenced on my webpage and it's in 
entitled Experience the Joy of Debt-Free Living. So that book is something that has blessed really hundreds and maybe even thousands of people with the conferences and things that I've taught and try to help people to become debt-free. I hope it'll be a blessing to you. If you'd like to subscribe to my podcast, you can do that by going to cpnshows.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now we're going to continue this series on financial prosperity. This one, this particular upcoming podcast is going to specialize in the area of marriages. So I'm going to talk about financial prosperity in your marriage. We're going to deal with the issues of spending and saving and a home and various things that we need to talk about in our marriage because it's crucial that we're all in agreement, that both of us are in agreement in a marriage. The husband and the wife set a plan together and work together in their finances and watch God bless it. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. I hope that you'll call your friends and let them know that we'll be talking about financial prosperity in your marriages. So I'm going to close this podcast right now by just giving you some kind words. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. May you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. So until next time, may God richly bless you as we go into the area of financial prosperity. May that come forth in your life and I'll believe it with you in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening in.